The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss using a social channel that is critical to building your business and your personal brand. Joining us is AJ Wilcox, who's the founder of B2Linked, which is an agency that specializes in account management and consulting with LinkedIn ads. B2Linked has managed hundreds of LinkedIn ad accounts. They've spent a cumulative $100 million on the LinkedIn platform, and they manage three of LinkedIn's top 10 customers. And today, AJ is going to tell us how to evaluate if LinkedIn ads are right for your business. Okay, here is our interview with AJ Wilcox, founder of B2Linked. AJ, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks, Benjamin. Super excited to be here. Great to have you here and always good to have a listener of the show on. I appreciate you checking in and listening to some of our content. So first off, let me just start off by saying thank you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for cranking out great content. And I'll just say the subject of MarTech is near and dear to my heart. I appreciate that. And the subject of LinkedIn is near and dear to my heart. It is really the only social channel I spend a meaningful amount of time, or not just me, but my team spend a meaningful amount of time thinking about in terms of content syndication for the MarTech podcast. We take all of our interviews and all of our podcast content, and we put links onto it every time we publish an episode. And it's been a nice little organic growth channel. Let's just start off by talking a little bit about LinkedIn as it exists today. It's one of the few channels that I feel like there still is some value out of organic content. Tell me about how you think about the difference between organic and paid on LinkedIn. Just give us a little overview of the landscape. I'll start out by saying LinkedIn is by far the easiest channel in the world to go viral on. And that's, of course, from the organic side. The reason why is because five years ago, Facebook squashed all of the organic reach. We've seen Twitter kind of go that way. And LinkedIn is still a place where when you like, comment, or reshare something, your network then gets to see it as well. So it's huge opportunities for these organic creators. What I see pretty regularly is even though I only have about 4,000 followers, my posts will routinely get nine to 12,000 views on them. And you go, well, where are those views coming from? If only 4,000 people are following you, I call that your viral quotient. I have a viral quotient of between two, three, four. That means that two, three, four times as many people are going to see it as the people who are following me. And I absolutely love that aspect about LinkedIn. It's amazing. Damn, I am doing something wrong. 
because we just hit the 3,000 follower mark. Uh, I hit the 3,000 follower mark, but my team, there's a content producer that helps me write my LinkedIn posts and other people are scheduling the content. I look at everything that goes on because it's my personal profile. And we're generally between one to 2,000 views for a 3,000 person following. So either that last thousand people that are following you are super, super engaged, or you're doing something that is much more interesting than what we're doing. Talk to me about how you're getting that big of an organic reach. Well, I will tell you what I think is the reason why you're not seeing the same level of organic reach. It's the different types of posts on LinkedIn. So if you post something that is text only, you're just saying, hey, experience something today, learn something. Here's what I learned, you know, something inspirational. That's pretty much everything we do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That kind of post is going to do really well. Everyone who's connected to you, they know, like, and trust you. They want to support you by hitting like and comment. If you post something that has an image in it, plus some text, now you're taking up a little bit more room in the user feed and LinkedIn looks at it and there's a little bit of an opportunity cost for them in showing that as opposed to something else. So you get dinged a little bit. Same kind of thing with video. They're kind of propping up video now because it's new. They want people using it, but it takes up a lot of room in the news feed and keeps them from showing stuff down below like ads. Now, the fourth type is really the killer. And this is what everyone wants to share, which is a link. So anytime you insert a link that takes people off of LinkedIn, immediately LinkedIn looks at it and goes, ooh, that traffic is less valuable to us once it leaves. So let's try to depress that. So the way I like to think of it is if you share something that's a text-only post, it's probably eligible to be seen by 100% of your followers. If you do something that's video or image, it might be eligible to be seen by 85% of them. But the second you put a link in there, now it's only eligible to be seen, at least at first, by about 15%. So even if it goes viral with a link, it's still depressed to the point where you would have gotten more views if you omitted the link. You're still doing something better than me because we're doing text only. And I write about 100 words in a post. And we always say that to find the podcast that we're talking about, you can find the link in the comments below, which I thought was a best practice. Maybe it has to do with the copy that we're writing. But yeah, absolutely. You want to be text driven on LinkedIn and putting your actual links in the comments. That's what I've heard is the best practice. Yeah. And I think the next biggest key to going viral on LinkedIn is asking for comments because a like is worth just a little bit. I like to think of it in terms of currency. So someone hits like, it's worth a buck. If someone hits comment, it's worth 15 bucks. And if they hit share, it's worth you know seven or eight. So if you can specifically create your post so that it elicits a reaction, so people want to respond and join in the conversation, that's what keys LinkedIn into making it go viral. It sounds like we're on the right path for creating our LinkedIn content. Maybe we've got to do a little copy optimization. Maybe we're just not getting enough comments. But everybody who's listening to this, please, come on. Let's connect on LinkedIn. <laughs> Write me a question. I'm happy to answer them. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about where your bread is buttered, the moneymaker. Let's talk a little bit about the LinkedIn ad platform. My understanding of the platform is there is a minimum threshold in terms of what your CPAs are going to be. LinkedIn has basically set a minimum bar to what you can buy their ad inventory for, which keeps the content relatively expensive, but it can be effective because they've got some great targeting tools. Talk to me about your view of the ad platform. Who is it for? Who's using it well? So first off, LinkedIn ads has by far the best business-to-business -business targeting on the planet. 
There's no other platform, no other way of reaching these people by their job title, their level of seniority, their company name, their company size, their industry, skills that they have listed on their profile, groups that they're members of. And that's probably only about a fifth of what's available. It's just amazing targeting. But like you mentioned, boy, do we pay for that targeting. The average cost per click is somewhere between about 6 and $9. And LinkedIn has always been a little bit more expensive than competition. Even at the very beginning, just like you mentioned, they started with a floor and they said, essentially, no one will ever pay less than $2 a click for traffic from us. And it kept out the belly fat ads. It made sure that advertisers were all what they called high quality. But what it meant was the entire time, it's been a premium network. And because you have to pay more to get the traffic, it means you as a business, you have to make sure that you make more on the back end to ensure you have an ROI. So I tell people, make sure that you've got a lifetime value of your customer somewhere between about $10,000, $15,000 or more. That way, it's pretty much a no-brainer if you're paying 6 to $9 a click to get people in that you'll still have an ROI. That's interesting. There's an obvious overlap between a certain group of industries that make sense on LinkedIn, B2B SaaS products with large lifetime values, the sales forces of the world. Sure, you can find a ton of customers there and there's a large reach. You can target people by their job, their function, all the things that you said. One of the things that's interesting to me about the pricing of LinkedIn ads is that it essentially excludes people like me who are content advertisers, right? I can't afford to pay $5 a click and then $10 per podcast subscriber. My business isn't made that way. Tell me a little bit more about the industries that you see being successful on LinkedIn and some of the ones that, like me, probably don't have a shot to perform in a way that makes sense. So I definitely see three real segments that make a ton of sense. The first is going to be business to business where you're generating leads for any sort of client or customer who has a high lifetime value. So that'll be like the SaaS companies. That'll be like the medical device companies, professional services of some kind. Those make a lot of sense. Segment number two is white collar recruiting. So if you can target people, let's say you're looking for a new marketing manager, you can target people who already have the title of marketing manager in your area and just say, you look qualified, we should talk. And then the third segment is in higher education. So imagine something like an MBA program who wants to show ads to people and say, consider our school. If you studied this in school, you have a bachelor's, but you don't yet have a master's. That's interesting that you mention people that are doing white collar recruiting using the advertising platform, because my understanding is the biggest moneymaker for LinkedIn is actually their sales navigator, which allows you to research, do list buildings, and then use the LinkedIn messaging platform to connect with people for recruiting. So why would the recruiters, whether it be for white collar recruiting or even higher education, why would they be using the ad platform and not the recruiter tools or the sales navigator? What it really comes down to is scale. So let's say you buy Sales Navigator for, I think it's $120 a month, and you have the time to go and search for people, find them, send a message, follow up, respond to all their messages, and try to close business that way. If you can run your business like that, it's going to be very inexpensive. You sunk into it your time and $120 for the month. The ads platform, on the other hand, is perfect for scale. You can just say, I'm going to put this ad together. I'm going to show it to only this very specific audience. I'm going to blast it out there to this audience until someone effectively raises their hand and says, I'm willing to talk. And then it's really efficient for a sales team to go and start conversations with that individual as soon as they're ready. 
Interesting. I mean, it seems like there's some overlap between the two of them, but the differences are around what capabilities you have to be able to accept inbound leads, mostly using either an SDR team or a sales team. That's what Sales Navigator and the recruiters are for. If you're looking for someone to fill out a form and basically be your inbound traffic, use the advertising platform. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Yeah, it's a perfect description. Okay. So talk to me a little bit more about when people are getting started with LinkedIn. You basically want to look at what's your lifetime value. Can you digest a 6 to $9 CPC? And you have to back into what the conversion rates are, I guess, to figure out if it makes sense for you. Talk to me about how you're seeing conversions and what should people expect and how do they compare to other social channels? So whenever I'm thinking about social advertising in any flavor, I picture the acronym AMO, A-M-O, and it stands for Audience, Message, and Offer. So the audience is really the targeting. That's why people like LinkedIn. That's why we're willing to pay their prices. The message is really what people see. It's the ad format. It's the image and the ad copy. But by far the most important aspect here is the O. It's the offer. And the reason why is I think a lot of people think that they can just go to a network and if they're advertising, put up an ad that just says, here's what we do. Click here to talk to our sales rep. Well, the problem with LinkedIn is if you put a message up like that, no one has any sort of incentive to click on it. In fact, everyone detests a sales pitch of any kind. So if you put that ad up there, people will just straight up ignore it and your ads will just shut off. So what you need is some kind of offer, something you can give them that actually entices them to want to give you their information. So in business to business, the most common types of things we see are here is a free cheat sheet or a checklist. Join our free webinar. Here's a free ebook, a guide, those types of things. And you lure someone in with something that's free and valuable. And then once they've given you their information, now you're ready to follow up. So the best practice here is to have gated content, right? You're having an ad for something that provides value to the users. You're giving a, a micro win to collect an email address, and then you're able to remarket to that person. 
Let's actually dive a little deeper and talk about not only just lead generation, right? Figuring out who your audience is and having them come to you for the first time. But LinkedIn is also quite a powerful retargeting and remarketing platform. How are you thinking about reaching out to people that have given you their email addresses? Are you reaching out to them directly or do you continue to advertise to them? I think there's definitely a couple elements of strategy here. On the one hand, if you have someone's email address, you can effectively market to them for next to nothing because email costs next to nothing on a one per basis. We do have clients who say, well, our email only gets a 6% open rate, so that's not really effective for us. So what we can then do is take a list of these email addresses that they've collected for their list. We can upload them into LinkedIn's ads platform and then say, LinkedIn, here are a set of ads that we want you to show to only the owners of these email addresses. And that can be a very effective way of really hitting them from both places. Maybe they see it in their inbox and they see them as ads as they're tracking around LinkedIn. And more exposure means that they're more likely to notice you. So you need a certain number of email addresses to be able to market to a list, right? It's not just, oh, I have 10 emails. It's hundreds or thousands, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's 300 is the minimum audience size to run any sort of ad on LinkedIn. And of course, when you upload a list of emails, there's going to be a certain match rate. Let's say these are all personal emails, which most people create their LinkedIn profiles with. Let's say they need something like 500 emails to make sure that LinkedIn can match at least 300 of them. That would clear you to advertise. I believe I've tested, I'm not sure if it was LinkedIn or whether it was Twitter, but I've gamed this once before. Don't tell anybody. But I had a list and I was a couple emails short and I just typed in A at B.com, B at C.com, C at E.com. And it was able to actually accept my list. And I'm sure I was paying to market whoever owns those email addresses. But you can actually, if you're a couple emails short, just upload a couple fakies. I like it. Little gray hat there. but <laughs> And again, I'm not exactly sure if that was LinkedIn or if it's Twitter, but I've done that on a couple social networks when I really wanted to remarket to a very specific list and I was willing to pay a premium to get to them. That's right. I would happily show a couple ads to a construction worker in Russia if it meant that I could reach my very specific, super high value audience. So talk to me a little bit more about the competition in the social space. You mentioned that LinkedIn has the best targeting capabilities for the B2B audience, but it doesn't necessarily have the largest match rate when you're working off a list. That's probably the Facebook platform where everybody has their email uploaded onto Facebook. You can upload a list and you can reach them. How much does the context of being on LinkedIn as opposed to being on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other social platforms matter? Well, when you're on LinkedIn, we know what your mindset is. You're, you're either thinking about your job or your career. So it puts you in the perfect mindset to convert on an offer that augments one of those two things. So what we see is if you could target a job title on Facebook and then the same job title on LinkedIn, so effectively they're the same people, put the same ads with the same call to action. In general, LinkedIn is going to have a higher conversion rate. And I think that's really due to that mindset. When they're on Facebook, they're probably thinking, well, we don't actually know what they're thinking. They might be looking at pictures of grandkids or on their way to play Farmville. So I think it ends up in having some better conversion rates for sure. We also know that Facebook is less expensive, but the targeting is also a lot rougher. So if you can imagine most people on Facebook for business to business stuff are paying between about $1 to $2 a click right now. And the targeting is a little bit rougher. You've got to target people who have an interest 
And there aren't very many people who are actually willing to list their company or their job title. So you're trying to use that. You're trying to use lookalikes. So if you're paying one to $2 a click for an audience that you can't quite verify is valuable, or you go to LinkedIn and you pay six to $9 a click for an audience that you absolutely know is valuable, we're going to get to a point here pretty soon where the costs on Facebook rise high enough where people go, yeah, I'd, the lead quality on Facebook isn't good enough. I'd rather pay double or triple to come over to LinkedIn. Yeah. So you're essentially saying that there is more cost certainty on LinkedIn. And that's one of the reasons why you're paying a premium. I think one of the most important things about the LinkedIn platform is it's socially acceptable to have your LinkedIn profile open at work. And so you're actually getting people more likely during the day while they are reading and consuming business related content. I'm sure lots of people have their Facebook apps and their Facebook profiles open while they're at work as well. It's just something that they probably bury when their boss walks by. Yeah, that's right. Hurry and switch browser tabs. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about the platform targeting capabilities. I, you mentioned pixels and retargeting. I know that LinkedIn has released a whole bunch of features. They've done video and they're promoting that a little bit more. Facebook and that ad platform seems to be the leader in terms of marketing functionality. What does LinkedIn have that Facebook doesn't have? And what does the Facebook platform have that LinkedIn doesn't? Well, Facebook was certainly first with the vast majority of features. So all of the new stuff that LinkedIn is coming out with is stuff that Facebook came out with four years ago. That's pretty much what you can expect when you look at the future is say, what can LinkedIn do to give you access to the data set that only they have of professionals and then try to catch up on the functionality and benefits of Facebook ads. But there really is one feature that LinkedIn has that Facebook does not. And I don't think they ever will. And that is company match. So on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, all of us can upload a list of email addresses like we've talked about and get them to match and show ads to them. But LinkedIn said, well, we know everyone's company that they work at. How about we allow someone to upload a list of up to 300,000 companies in an Excel sheet, upload it to us, we'll create an audience based off of that, and then you can go and apply it to any other audience. So everyone out there who's talking about account-based marketing or ABM, getting really specific about the only companies that they want to go after, LinkedIn just became the perfect tool to do this at scale. I'll preface this with, I run a content business. So everybody that's interested in LinkedIn ads, don't think badly about them. My business is structured in a way where it doesn't make sense to pay $5 per click. But damn it, why is it so freaking expensive? I would love to be able to take Scott Brinker's list of 7,000 MarTech companies, upload that list and market my content to them because I want to build my MarTech audience. Any games, any hacks I can get around? And how do I start paying 30 cents a click? There are a couple hacks that you can get in. If you are paying by the click, like we've discussed, LinkedIn has a floor. So they'll say, ooh, for this audience you're going after, you can't pay less than $4.75 a click. So you're kind of stuck there. But if you can get your ad to resonate so well with that audience that you get over a 1% click-through rate, all of a sudden you can change your bid model. You can bid by the impression rather than the click. And if your click-through rate is much higher, it's usually starting at about three times the average, then all of a sudden it becomes cheaper to bid CPM. So one of the hacks that we've used is if you can target a company, essentially you create a campaign on LinkedIn and say, show it to only employees of this one company, then you can customize the ad copy to say the company's name, to talk about their company. Everyone's interested in clicking on something that applies to them. So you'll get a click-through rate that's 3, 4, 5%. 
And that will effectively bring your cost per click down into like the 30, 40, 80 cents range. So if you want to go out and build a single campaign for all 7,000 of those companies, it'd be a lot of work, but you could probably get the cost down far enough. It's not just a lot of work. It's a lot of uncertainty and would require a lot of capital. So, hey, look, when we start selling million-dollar advertising deals, I'll call you and you can do the work for me. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Going back to the comparison of feature sets for the the two different platforms, I'm specifically talking about Facebook and LinkedIn, or maybe this is just generally a LinkedIn question. What's the big feature that you wish LinkedIn had that it doesn't right now? I would love dynamic insertion where I could input someone's name into the ad or input their company name or input their job title. We get that on an ad format called sponsored in-mail where you can dynamically insert, but we don't have that on sponsored content side. And I know we could get relevance way higher on ads if we could make them feel a little bit more personal. Taking a page out of the Google playbook. That's exactly right. In fact, that's where I got it. And Google took it a step further and they have dynamic insertion into their URLs. And I would love that too, because I could create one broad campaign that just says target everyone. And then based off of something in their profile, I could send that through a UTM parameter onto my CRM. Then I could do something like, hey, retarget everyone who has CFO in their title. Love it. Absolutely. For anybody that's not following along, when we say dynamic insertion, that just means in the ad creative, it would say something to the extent of, hey, person's name, are you a person's title? You should read the one pager for person's titles, salary data for 2019, right? You're actually able to insert your variables into the ad creative. So into the actual image. Yeah. And the fact that when you ask me what the one thing I want is that the answer comes out really geeky is actually really good because five years ago, I would have said, please just give us conversion tracking like everyone else has. So the fact that LinkedIn's caught up to the point where I have a really specific answer on that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah. Creating the like audiences. Last time I checked, that was the big hurdle that they needed to overcome. And that's a relatively, you know, in the last year or two, relatively new development where you can not only create an audience based on their title, then you can create the lookalike audiences and you can sort of replicate what's happening with your ads and start to magnify them and build larger audiences. Yeah. And in fact, two months ago, they released the lookalike audience build that was a little bit different from the version that you might be talking about that they had called audience expansion, kind of similar technologies. But at the same time they released lookalikes, they also released something called audience templates, which is just a whole bunch of just, hey, here's information we know about our members and we're putting them in nice clean buckets for you. Like, hey, we know everyone who's a nurse or we know everyone who's a financial advisor or we know everyone who likes Bitcoin. So they're essentially pulling data that only they know. And they're adding to that data set of not just job titles and stuff, but now their interests and proprietary information. Yeah, they're looking into their content consumption and figuring out what the topics that they're interested in. And they're able to create some other targeting outside of what's been input into the platform manually. Yeah, it's really nice to see them really starting to innovate. Last question for you for today. LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft, which the acquisition happened, I guess it's been two years, three years now. Talk to me about, are there any other ways that LinkedIn is working with Microsoft or are the two platforms just totally separate? Do you see any value for people that are integrating in the Microsoft platforms and using LinkedIn advertising? Yeah, it's moving a little bit slower from LinkedIn side, but there's a pretty big movement from the Microsoft side to leverage the other. So the interests that I was just telling you about 
one of the signals they have to know what people are interested in is their Bing search history. So we know not everyone uses Bing, but the people who do based off of their search history, they can say, ooh, he does a lot of searching about Nintendo. Let's put him in a video game category. So that's one use that LinkedIn's using. Microsoft right now is leveraging LinkedIn's data for the Microsoft advertising platform. So it's in a beta right now. So if you have a rep, you can request this. But essentially, I can go and create a campaign that says, show my ad to people at these companies or have this job function or are in this industry. And it could either be wait until one of them searches for a keyword on Bing or just anytime they're on the Microsoft audience network, show them an ad. So we're starting to see a lot more crossover. I expect we'll see a lot more. Okay, I think that's a great place for us to stop today. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to AJ Wilcox, the founder of B2Linked, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, AJ is going to tell us how to optimize and scale your LinkedIn ad campaigns. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about AJ, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at WilcoxAJ, which is W-I-L-C-O-X-A-J, or you could visit his company's website, which is b2link.com. He also has a LinkedIn onboarding checklist where you can go to b2link.com slash checklist to grab it if you're thinking about getting started with your LinkedIn ads. A couple of links that I want to tell you about, which are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, just like AJ here, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily feed of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with AJ Wilcox, the founder of B2 Linked. We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. So to subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.